My husband, um, Andrew and I, and our daughter, who was one at the time, moved to Denmark back in 2012. And moved to Denmark in 2012. And we had moved from Sydney, Australia. And one of the things that I had to get used to was driving on the right-hand side of the road. Yeah. So being from Australia, I was used to driving on the left-hand side of the road. And so when we moved here, like seriously, I think I got almost run over so many times by looking the wrong direction when I was crossing the road and all of that. And just, uh, just before our second child, Frederick, was born, we got a car. And for the first while, I always got Andrew to drive, even though by then, like, I'd been, you know, learning and got my license changed over, all of that type of stuff. And I knew I could, but I just was nervous. And I'll just get Andrew to be the driver. And now my husband is a very patient man, but it gets to a point where he just knows when I need that little push. And there was one evening, church on a Sunday, and I was rostered on to preach. And our kids were a little bit tired, and about half an hour before I thought we were all leaving to come to church, he smiles at me, and he says, I'm going to stay home with the kids tonight, and he hands me the car key, and he says, you're driving yourself to church tonight. And I was like, are you kidding me? Really? And he goes, you can do this. You've practiced. You know how to drive now on the right-hand side of the road. You just need to do it. And so I did. And so I thought to myself, as I got in the car, I can do this. I can do this. I will not have an accident. I'm going to be fine. None of you want to get in the car with me right now, do you? This was years ago. Frederick is now five. It's okay. Relax. And I'm saying to myself, I can do this. I can do this. I can drive the car. I knew the way. We'd been in the car so many times coming to Brayman Theatre. I'd watched Andrew drive here. I knew how to do it. And so... Halfway through the journey, it was going well. I was starting to get a bit confident, going, I can do this. I'm going to be there in about five or so minutes. When suddenly, as I turned left onto a road that would then take me on to here, to this venue, I noticed a little bit further ahead of me that um, cars were slowing down. And it looked like there was a little bit of a traffic jam happening just ahead of me. And as I got a little bit closer, it suddenly hit me that the main road that I thought that I was about to continue on to take me here to Bremen Theatre was closed due to roadworks. And as I got closer to where the road was cut off, I noticed that the workmen had kindly put little detour signs to show us that we had to get off the main road, we had to do a detour, and suddenly I started to panic. I was thinking to myself, I don't know where to go. If I go off this main road, I do not know where these detour signs are taking me. I don't know if I'm going to see all of the detour signs. Am I going to get to church on time? Am I going to have to text somebody and say, I am not available to preach because right now I'm on the other side of this island because I have gotten lost. And I was driving and starting to panic. And suddenly my whole driving style changed. Instead of kind of leaning back confidently, you know, driving, suddenly I'm hunched over the wheel, looking out for all the detail, detour signs, looking at the person in front of me, seeing what they're doing, trusting that they were doing the right thing and just beginning to follow. And eventually, after a few minutes of taking all of these different turns, looking out for these little arrows, these little detour signs, I finally got around the other side of the roadworks, back onto the road that I knew, and made it to church on time and was able to preach and able to tell the story. You might be here tonight wondering, why am I sharing this story? Good question. I think that life is full of detours. I think that we all often throughout life are heading in a certain direction 
and we were so confident that we knew we were going, only to unexpectedly find that it is blocked, forcing us to have to go another way. And you know, as we've only got about a month and a half left of 2020, I can safely assume that every single person in this auditorium and out in the overflow has probably experienced maybe one or two detours this year. Some of them big, some of them small, in all different types of areas, but where we probably thought we were confidently heading in a certain type of direction, only to unexpectedly discover that that direction has been blocked off and we're forced to take a detour, or what seems to be a detour, and find ourselves scrambling around, panicked, looking out for little arrows, looking out for some sort of direction as to where to go. And as we are here today in November of 2020, some of us might even be here tonight kind of thinking through all the events that have taken place this year, and even how the state of the world is right now at this point in time, and maybe even thinking, gee, I wonder what next week holds. I wonder what's going to happen in December. How are we going to end this year with a bang? What is going to happen maybe even in 2021? We can begin to wonder what the future actually has in store. The title of this message tonight is called He Prepares the Way. He Prepares the Way. And what I've come to realise throughout life is that while a detour may be unexpected to you, It's not a shock to God. While a detour may be absolutely unexpected, unplanned, and maybe unwelcomed by you, it is not at all a shock to God. And the big idea of this message tonight is this, is that whatever may be coming your way, you can trust that God is already preparing the way for you to handle it. Whatever has come your way right now, Whatever may be coming your way tomorrow, next week, next month, into next year, you can trust that God is already preparing a way for you to be able to handle it. Do you believe that in Jesus' name? And what we're going to do this evening is we're going to turn to the book of Psalms. I love the book of Psalms. It can be likened to actually a poetry anthology. And what I really love about the book of Psalms is that it reflects emotionally healthy spirituality. And what I mean by that is that we see all throughout the book of Psalms that all the different writers, all the different people that contribute to this book, they are able to feel a whole range of emotions. They feel all of their emotions. And then they are able to feel them and express them honestly and openly and confidently in the presence of God while still holding on to a sense of hope and peace in his goodness and in his sovereignty. And what we're going to do is we're going to turn to one particular psalm, Psalm 139. And it's written by King David. At this point, David has become king. And it's as he is king that he writes this psalm. And it's a psalm of praise. It's a psalm of gratitude. It is a psalm of thankfulness. And the big theme of this particular psalm, 139, is that God is all-seeing, that he is all-knowing, he is all-powerful, and he is present everywhere. And what we're going to be doing is I'm going to focus on verses 1 through to 6 and also verse 10, and I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation, and it's also going to come up on the screen. Are you ready to hear the word of, the God, word of God? Okay, Psalm 139, verses 1 to 6, and also verse 10. It says, Lord, 
You know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul, and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book, and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. And then verse 10, wherever I go, your hand will guide me and your strength will overpower me. What we're going to do tonight, church, is I want to give you three observations and three applications from these verses that I've just read to you. And you might be thinking, okay, why three observations and why three applications? The reason is this. When I say observations... I'm pointing out things that I've observed in Scripture and what we theologically believe. These observations, if you will, is more like belief statements that we draw from these passages. Because everything we do, all of our actions come from a belief system. You make all of your choices based on what you believe. What you believe determines what you're going to do. Are you with me so far? Your different values, the different things that you believe, whether you know it or not, it all determines your actions. And the thing I find when we hear about the Word of God, I could give some applications But if you don't have the same belief system as me, these applications mean nothing to you. So we need to establish first some observations from this passage of Scripture to lay the foundation of what it is we believe theologically. So then when we get to the applications, it begins to make a whole lot of sense because we're all on the same page. Does that make sense? And so what I want to do is share three observations and then you'll find that each application is connected to one of the observations. So we can say, well, we believe this from the scripture, therefore this is how I can apply it first thing tomorrow morning. How does that sound? Great. So the first thing that I observe from these passages is this, and they're going to come up on the screen, is this God intimately knows you. Observation number one, God intimately knows you and therefore is perfectly able to guide you. You see, in Psalm 139 verses 1 to 4, there's a whole list of beautiful phrases that give us this. You know everything. You perceive every movement. You understand my every thought. You're intimately aware of me. You know all of the words I'm about to speak. You know every single step before I even start out my journey. All of these words show us how intimately God knows you, how intimately God knows me, how intimately God knows the person sitting next to you right now. Do you know that it is absolutely life-changing when you get a revelation that you have been created by God, that you're not just some random accident, that you're not just some mistake, but you have been created by God. In the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, in chapter one, we're so familiar with the recount of creation, those famous opening words, in the the beginning. And what we see as we read about the account of creation is we notice that God speaks everything into existence initially. He says, let there be light. He speaks it and boom, the lights come on. 
light happens. He speaks vegetation and creatures of the sea and land. He speaks the stars and the moon and the sun into existence. He speaks it. However, there is a significant change in language when we get to verse 26 and 27 of Genesis chapter 1. I want to read it to you. It says this, then God said, keeping in mind up until this point, it's let there be let there be, let there be light, let there be vegetation, let there be animals and creatures of the sea and the land. It's let there be, he speaks it into existence. But then in verse 26 of Genesis 1, it says, then God said, let us make, let us make mankind in our image. And it goes on in verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Everything else was spoken into existence. But humankind, you and me, we were made. We were fashioned and we were formed. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do all the good things he planned for us long ago. A couple of days ago, I got some new glasses. And the reason why I got some new glasses was because a couple of weeks ago, I began to notice that while I was wearing my old glasses, the vision in my right eye was still a little bit blurry. Not a great thing when you're actually wearing the glasses, right? And so I noticed things are getting a little bit blurry. And so I thought, okay, I need to go get another eye test. It's been about five years since I got those other pair of glasses. Things have probably changed. I'm getting older. And so I booked in an appointment with my optometrist. And so I went and saw the optometrist. He did the different tests, confirmed, yes, you do need a new type of prescription. You need new glasses. Got the glasses. The point of this is I went to see the right person for the need. I had a problem with my vision. I went and saw the optometrist. It's obvious. I didn't book an appointment with my dentist. I didn't book an appointment with my hairdresser. I didn't book an appointment with my landlord. I didn't book an appointment with a physiotherapist. I didn't go down and see the barista at Wolf and Constarly to get my favorite spicy chai latte on almond milk. I didn't go to those people. I went to the optometrist because the optometrist is a specialist when it comes to vision and I knew that was the right person. Now, how much more with God knowing us intimately, the specialist of our entire destiny? Is he not the right one that we can confidently go to knowing that he is the one that can guide us? Because God intimately knows us, he is well able to guide us. Here is the second observation from this passage. Your current earthly life is linear, but God is eternal. Let's have a look at verse 5 of Psalm 139. It says, you've gone into my future to prepare the way. But now we see a little bit of what seems like a contradiction. It says, and in kindness you follow behind me. Now, that just doesn't make sense when you're just reading it grammatically. Have on a minute, what? You've gone into my future and you follow behind me. Well, which one is it, God? Are you in my future? Are you behind me? What is going on here? How is that possible in our minds? What we need to understand is that our current earthly life, the life that we are living right now, it exists within time. It's linear. Yesterday was the past. Right now is the present. Tomorrow 
is the future. We live a linear life. You can plot out your life from the day you were born up until this point on a timeline and put in all of the dates from the past to present and then tomorrow it becomes into the future. Are you with me? However, God, he is eternal. And what that means is that he is outside of time. He created time. He is not limited by time. And what we read in Revelation chapter 22, verse 13 is this. The Lord declares, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. The first and the last, the beginning and the end. Now, we cannot get our minds around it. We cannot get our minds around how this is possible. Our linear thinking is limited and our linear thinking cannot understand an an eternal God and his eternal plans. But this is what we do know. In Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. This verse shows us God's providence and that is his divine supernatural ability to divinely orchestrate our lives in such a way as we love him and follow him and believe in him. He is able to take something from our past which in our linear mind is done. It is over. It's complete. And he has this incredible, divine, eternal perspective where suddenly we can walk into our future and suddenly discover that he is now here and the very thing that we thought was done and finished and over, over here in our lives suddenly makes sense here. You know, in 2007, I've shared a bit of this story before, I completed a master's in international education. I was living in Sydney, Australia at the time, 2007, I wrote my thesis. It was all about looking at the different types of curricula that's taught all around the world. Now, I'm gonna be honest, the whole time I was doing this particular master's, especially when I was writing that thesis, I really felt such a big disconnect between what I was studying and what my current job was. It was working as a teacher in a local, you know, state school using a a statewide curriculum. No connection to what I was studying, yet the whole time I just sensed that I was supposed to be doing that particular course. That was 2007. Got that, got the certificate, got to put on the gown, you know, got the bunch of flowers, got to shake hands, because it wasn't corona back then, and I was able to celebrate getting that master's degree. It was over. It was done. And then six years went on. 2013, at this stage now I'm married with my husband and Annika, we've now moved to this country. And suddenly, what do you suppose happens? That very degree that I thought was done in my linear thinking suddenly becomes the very thing I need to be able to get a full-time teaching job in an international school here in Copenhagen in 2013. That is an eternal God who is ahead of us and behind us. I was in 2007 not even knowing that God was making a way for 2013. And I wonder what things are happening right now in your life that you're scratching your head about, going, what on earth is this for? And you're going to find that a year will go on, another year and another year and another year and another year and you're here and suddenly, hello, that makes sense. Our lives are linear, but God is eternal. The third observation, is this helping anyone tonight? The third observation from this 
is that God's strength empowers you on the journey. Psalm 139, verse 6 and 10, it says a few of these things, your understanding of me, it brings me strength, and wherever I go, your strength will empower me. Do you know that we are incapable of fulfilling our calling in our own strength? How many of you who are here this morning in church, in the morning services, and heard Georg preach his message on the gift of weakness? It was absolutely phenomenal. You're such a good preacher, Georg. It was such a good word. And, you know, what I loved about one of the things that Georg said was, you know, God, he enables us to do what we can do and he empowers us to do what he can't do, in other, what we can't do. In other words, that we are totally dependent on him because we are incapable of fulfilling our calling in our own strength. And, you know, the sooner we get that revelation, the less complicated our life actually becomes. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says this, it's the Apostle Paul addressing the Christians in the church in Philippi. And I love how just direct he is. He's definitely Enneagram 8. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work, that is strengthening, energizing and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. It's not your strength. It is his. It is his strength that empowers us as we move along in our lives. Each morning from Monday to Friday, it's Andrew that takes Freddie, our youngest, to kindergarten, to Bernahill. And they head off and I take Annika to school. And Andrew gets on his bike and little Freddie, he's five, he gets on his little bike and they ride off to kindergarten. And pretty much most mornings, Andrew will tell me, that halfway there, Freddie will kind of slow down a bit and just look up at Andrew and go, oh, I'm getting tired of pedalling. He's a bit over it. And you know what Andrew does? He's a good dad. He, he comes alongside and he gets his hand and, and he places it just between Freddie's shoulder blades, just rests it, rests it there. And Freddie, being five, doesn't quite understand how suddenly he's just become superhuman in strength. And it is Andrew's hand, it is Andrew's momentum, it is Andrew's pedaling and his strength that suddenly enables Freddie to, to complete the distance and to go a speed that Freddie just wasn't even aware that he could travel at. But it was that moment of Freddie saying to Andrew, I'm a bit tired, I need a bit of help here, that Andrew then acted. I just really get a sense that there are lots of you here tonight. You are tired. Pedaling, 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 exhausted, exhausted, trying to do it all in your own strength. But tonight I want to encourage you that all you need to do is to look up and say, God, actually I need your empowerment. I need your strength. Uh, because I can't pedal any longer. I'm trying to work all of this out. I'm trying to figure out a way. I'm using all of my brain energy on this and nothing is working out. I am tired. And our Heavenly Father, he comes alongside and he puts his hand between our shoulders and he says, you can just rest a bit. Let me pedal for you. Let me empower you with my strength and with my momentum and let me lead you. I believe that is the word specifically for people here tonight. Three observations. So now that we've established some theological beliefs from this passage, what does this mean for our lives tomorrow morning on Monday when we wake up? How do we apply this? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to give you three applications. Are you ready? 
Application number one. It's based on the first observation. Do you remember what it is? Hope you are taking notes. God intimately knows you and therefore is perfectly able to guide you. So based on that observation, this is how we can apply it tomorrow morning. Here's the application. If you believe that God's made you and you know he's perfectly able to guide you, the application is this. You can ask for brilliant ideas. Ask for brilliant ideas. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, it's looking up and saying, God, would you please inspire me with some brilliant ideas? Let me unpack this for you in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5 at the beginning. It says that brilliant ideas, they pay off and they bring you prosperity. Here's the thing about brilliant ideas, though. Often when they're first presented, they don't seem pretty brilliant. In fact, some of them may seem pretty, you know, stupid. Some ideas that suddenly just come into your mind, you can kind of quickly dismiss. But I believe that as we continue just to walk with the Holy Spirit over a period of time, become a bit more sensitive to his leading and we begin to realize when there is a certain idea that just kind of we get a sense that there's something about it, even though we can't quite yet work out what the brilliance of it is. So I'm going to give you an example. About two and a half years ago, the five-year contract we had on an apartment that we were renting was beginning to come to an end. And the land, we'd, we were fortunate enough to have been in this apartment for five years. It was, a, it was a contract for five years. And the landlord had confirmed with us that she wouldn't be renewing it any longer because she was wanting to renovate it and at some point sell it, yada, yada. We got it. And so we knew that towards the end of that five years, we were going to be needing to find a new place to live, which at that time in Copenhagen, even now, that can be a bit of a tricky thing, trying to find a place and everyone said, yeah. And so, about six months out from when we knew that the contract was coming to an end, we began to do what probably many of you have done. We got online, got on all of those different websites, trying to work out you know, what the budget was and how many square metres we needed, how many rooms, trying to think through what we needed in our next place. And we kept on looking and really nothing was really catching our eye. But I kind of thought, you know, we're six months out, it's fine. Anyways, we get to one month out and we still don't have anywhere to live. We are literally beginning to pack our things in boxes, not actually knowing, are we just moving out onto the street in a month's time? Or is there going to be a place our daughter Annika would be like, oh, so where's the new place that we're moving to as we're packing boxes and packing up her Lego? And we're like, right now, sweetheart, we really don't know. But God knows. That seemed to satisfy her, even though I was kind of just saying it with blind faith. And so we're packing our things. We've got one month to go. And I'm wondering, yes, God, where are we going to be living? However, the entire time, I just really had a desire that I really wanted our next place to actually be within just the same streets of where we were living. We'd grown to love the area and we really loved where we were living. And just every time I'll just kind of walk and go walk to the train station or just walk to our local shops, I was like, God, I don't know what's available and I think it's pretty impossible, but it would just be amazing if our next place could just be literally within these streets. You know, now normally when you're looking for a place, you look wide. You know, in Copenhagen, you just want to try and find anything. I was kind of narrowing it down to maybe just a few streets, which probably seemed ridiculous to a lot of people, but it's what I was hoping and believing for. And there was one particular morning, and it was a Monday morning. I don't know, I just remember dates. I remember days. It was a Monday morning, and I was frustrated. And I started praying. I said, God... We don't have a place to live, as if you didn't know this. And I was like, God, I have run out.
of ideas. I've run out. And in that moment, the still small voice, oh, good, now you can ask me for an idea. Oh, good point. (laughs) Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. In my own stress and trying to work things out, I kind of forgot to ask you. Holy Spirit, would you please just give us a brilliant idea? And I just let that go and I got on with my day. That afternoon, Monday afternoon, I got home shortly afterwards. Andrew walked in the front door. You know how he greeted me? He said, hey, Selena, guess what? What? I've got an idea. And I was like, Holy Spirit, really? I asked for the idea and you give it to him. I'm like, really? What's the idea? And he said, look, it's this idea and it won't leave me alone. But I've kind of got this idea that maybe we could create like a poster. And I'm like, a poster. That's your brilliant idea. A poster. Because you know poster, we put a picture of our family. At this point, I'm like, I'm so put off by that already. It's like like a picture of our family. And we can write in English and get a friend to translate it in Danish. And we can go and we can stick it up on all the notice boards within all the other op gangs, you know, in the stairwells within our complex. I'm like, that's the idea. That's the idea. He's like, yeah. I'm like, fine. You make your poster. You go for it. Let's go with this idea. And so he gets Annika on board. She's all for an adventure. And so they make this poster right and then on the Tuesday they printed out because Andrew had to go to work print the whole thing out made the posters Tuesday afternoon him and Annika go into every single you know thing in the complex put it up on the notice board we come back and we're like okay cool we're done we go to bed that night Wednesday morning there is a knock on our door and this lovely old lady who lives in the op gang the stairwell next to us she's at our door and she comes up and she says, look, I um, was having a coffee with a friend and while I was having coffee with a friend, I heard upstairs that there was a whole bunch of renovation going on and I asked the friend, you know, what's happening? And the friend said, oh, there's an empty apartment up there, they're renovating it, it's probably going to be ready in about a month's time. And she said, and I remembered the poster that I saw as I was leaving And so I just thought I'd come and tell you about it. And here is the name and the number of the guy that owns the building. And so my husband then, by then, is contacting the guy, gets through to him on the Thursday. Then on the Thursday, he finally gets through to the guy. And the guy says, I live in Olbo, but I happen tomorrow on Friday to be in Copenhagen looking at how the renovations are going. Would you like to come and see it? And Andrew's like, sure, we would love that. We can make that work. And the guy says, oh, do you even know where it is? And Andrew's like, no, at this point, we had no idea where this apartment was. He then sends through the address. It was across the road. (laughs) It was across the road. Can I just fast forward and say that's where we now live and we've been there for two and a half years. That is the place where we now live. I wonder what ideas the Holy Spirit wants to give you that are going to be brilliant because he makes a way. He always makes a way, asks for brilliant ideas. A couple more applications is this. Do you remember the second observation? Our life is linear, but God is eternal. We need to take some steps of faith. Application number two, take a step of faith. Psalm 32 verse 8, it says this. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. What if that best pathway actually requires stepping out of your comfort zone? 
What if that best pathway requires an act of obedience to the word of God, which may currently challenge your current mindset and your current lifestyle? What if that best pathway involves a significant element of uncertainty or risk? What if that best pathway means that maybe some people may not understand and some people may not give their approval? What if? I totally get it. I remember when we made the decision to move here, we, we faced all of that, faced all of the uncertainty, faced a lot of people not getting it, faced a lot of people saying, you're crazy to give up full-time jobs and just sell everything and just move to a foreign country as volunteers to be a part of starting a church. You're nuts. We had that said. I totally get it. But I really sense tonight that there are some of you that you are resisting a step of faith that you know that the Holy Spirit is leading you to take, but you're not, and you find yourself stuck. I want to encourage you to trust your linear life into the hands of an eternal God. A step of faith is what you are needing to take. And finally, the third application Remember how I observe that God's strength empowers you on the journey? Well, this is the application. We can therefore relax and trust the process. This psalm ends this way. Psalm 139 verse 23. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. What a brave prayer to intentionally invite God to examine everything that's going on in the inside of you. What a brave prayer to say, God, go for it. Point out whatever you want to point out. All the secret stuff that I'm not sharing with anyone else all the flaws, all the wrong thinking, all the stuff that is just holding me back, all the undealt with hurt and the pain and the things that I just don't even want to talk about. God, I invite you to search all of that. I think it's a prayer prayed by a person who understands that the process is more important than the end result. I think it's a prayer that's prayed by a person that knows that the journey is actually more important than the final destination. And I've come to realise that I think that God is ultimately more interested in who you are becoming rather than where you are going. Because if who you are becoming is in line with His Word, then where you are going is going to take care of itself because He prepares the way. And no detour is ever a shock to Him. And whatever is coming your way, there is a process and you can trust that He's already in your future preparing a way for you to handle whatever it is that is going on in your life. You know, on the 1st of January, 2020, seems like such a long time ago, I like to start the first day of every year writing in my journal. And I kind of write kind of the sense that I'm feeling for the year ahead. And I'm going to read to you what I wrote on the 1st of January 2020. Now, I want you to keep it in mind that when I wrote this, I had no idea that two months later, due to a whole bunch of circumstances that God would clearly direct me to take a step of faith. Remember the applications to take a step of faith 
and to resign from a secure, permanent, full-time job and to step into being self-employed as an entrepreneur within my own business. I had no idea. Nor did I know on the 1st of January 2020 when I wrote what I'm about to read to you that a month after doing that, the nation would just happen to go into lockdown. Kind of the worst of times to be launching full-time in your own business. Little did I know what was going to unfold right up until this point. Little did I know that we as a church would suddenly be in need of a new venue in a very short period of time. I didn't know any of those things. But you know what? I have come to realise that no detour is ever a surprise to God. And in fact, we begin to change our perspective and recognise perhaps the detours were the right way all along. Because this is what I wrote, 2020, 1st of January. It's a year of courage and a year of strength. And it's a year of bold faith. It's a year of courageously following Christ along the road less travelled. It's a year of receiving clarity as we continue to simply keep doing the next best thing. For I know that you've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. And with your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful and deep and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and it brings me strength. Church, you can look boldly into your future, knowing that whatever is coming your way, that God is already there preparing the way and He will use your past. He will use the present. He will use it all and you can walk confidently. Why? Because He intimately knows you and can guide you. So start asking Him tomorrow for brilliant ideas. Your current life is linear, but God is eternal. So just take a step of faith. Just do it. Nike tells you, God's strength empowers you on the journey so you can relax and trust the process.